you are listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale is walking around on stilts. Fucked up. I like to spice our pee bottle. I'm looking for a drum. Listen, man. Or, um, I don't know. I don't know how to say this to you. What? I just. Are you breaking up with me? Are we ending what? the podcast? Why don't you sit down? What? I'm going to sit down too. I'm walking towards him. Oh my right God. I'm sitting down right now. <sighs> there is a place. Yeah? That sells magical donuts. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. If you ate that donut, you could get in your car and drive to a bouldering area. And climb beyond your wildest expectations. I want to be there. Powered by those donuts. Dave, how do I how do I get there, Dave? Well, that's not all. What? When your bouldering session's over and you want some meatloaf. Yeah. And some kind of chunky Ch- weird, chewy? Like gristly? Yeah. Oh, weird yeah. looking um Keep hot dog related mm. um pan of orange stuff. <laughs> you can get <laughs> You can get that for a dollar at night. What? Wait, what's the bad news? This sounds amazing, Dave. What? Th- this place, it's gone. What? It no longer exists. It's been smote. I wish you were ending the podcast instead of telling me this. I wish that you would pour water on the recording device. Can't do that. We can't sacrifice two good things. We can't actually, you, we can't afford another one of those. Yeah, fuck that, man. Yeah. Um, Wait, what? So the food, the food ranch? Are you talking about the food ranch? The food ranch in the hamlet of Orangeville, Utah, is going out of business. As of today, Friday, January seventeenth, when we're recording this intro. Oh my god, it is gone. Dave, you want to know the truth? I actually knew exactly where you were going with that. I just pretended like I didn't know because I know, I know you knew, mm-hmm. but I know that it. You're very fragile, I'm, yeah. Kind of. Um, your nerves are really frayed right now. It's a good thing this is a podcast and not like a video interview because they could see all the tears streaming out of my nose. You know, when you get like, yeah. when you're really sobbing and it's just Those like bubbles bugger- were amazing. It's like I, boogery. Yeah. You know, when people blow a nose bubble when they're like sobbing like you are right now. Yeah. I've never seen one actually float away. Yeah. Well, like I'm yours ke- did. I'm keeping like, myself composed like <laughs> v- vocally, but my body is just quivering. Yes. You are shivering quite. Somebody get this man a blanket. I need a blanket. Uh, yeah, so the food boards. ranch in Orangeville, Utah, home to 1,500 polite Utah folks, has uh, shuttered its doors God as of today. That Which does is actually, just fucking yeah. sucks. If you've not, I mean, we should talk about it. If you've not been to Joe's Valley. It is, it is an, a quintessential part of the Joe's Valley experience. It is the place where you go after a perfect day of bouldering on awesome sandstone and you go there and hang out with your friends as dave mentioned get the weird food (laughs) (laughs) but the donuts but the donuts are actually fucking so good no hyperbole either like widely regarded as the best donuts in the history of the world by everybody they are overhyped and they 
Or, uh, sorry, they're super hyped, but they super deliver. They deliver every and, single time. And they're like $2. Yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. Um, and it was a real weird place too. So it was a, it was the supermarket, but they had an outdoor section where they sold like uh, fucking BB guns yeah. and like they're, knives and throwing stars and shit. But then they had tape and uh, yeah. chalk and fucking fishing rods. They were just like, look, we, we don't know what you guys want, so we'll just buy everything and you guys can just take what you want. We could not decide on what hat, so we do will you, wear all hats. Do you want a chalk? Do you want? Do you see this bin of sunglasses for a dollar? Do you want a sunglass? Do you want dude? a black diamond helmet for your highball? <laughs> yes. Because it's been here since 2002 and we're waiting for somebody to buy it. And they, it had a, a fucking uh, a racquetball court. Which I actually never saw that. I actually... Uh, but... It's attached to a karate dojo. There's a karate dojo upstairs. Crazy. Yeah. This is just crazy. So, and then upstairs is the best part, too. It was the Spartan Den. Yeah. So you'd go upstairs, and it was like this cafeteria. And if it's snowy or raining, you that is where every fucking climber goes, especially before hashtag van life and living in your van. If you had a tent, no way, dude. You were at the food ranch eating your mystery food and like six donuts and just like looking at video beta yeah video beta for hours and chatting with like all of the other climbers it was a it was like church dude it was like a climbing church i like there was a funny sign there the last time i was there it was like do not download illegally download movies on this ipp address oh yeah oh dude i only have one season of west week to download i have to do it fucking people yeah and you could always go into the bathroom and you'd have to wait for like 10 minutes because some oh, yeah. dirt bag was showering in there and you'd go in and there'd be water all over but this is part of the charm of the place it was it was weirdly kind of like a piece of shit in some ways. the food ranch like it was it's and hence charmingly shitty yes like they had uh on the spartan den they had this big map of the the world that you know people would put pins on oh, like yeah. where they've been but it was literally in like tatters and people would like just Half has half acidly like pin stuff to it. I don't know. It was just. And if you were there working, you'd be like working during the lunch hour, and all the high school students would come <laughs> and the mustachioed ranchers and shit, and just be looking at you all cross-eyed because you're like this dirty, dirty, long-haired, yeah. like super definitely really smelly person. Yeah, like, who are these people? I love the blending of climbing climbers and then the Orangeville locals. It was always fascinating, and they're always so friendly. They are so really friendly. Friendly. like, all right, what do you use that that <laughs> box on your back for? Which is that to sleep on? Yes, but yeah. also to fall on. Um, so it's the end of an era. What what we should say, what we, we should do a public announcement here to yeah. call all wealthy climbers. Wealthy climbers, is, please. Why don't you step up to the plate? Why don't you uh, chip in a couple uh, dollars there and... Buy the food ranch. Up. Yeah. Make it exactly the same as it was before. Lose a ton of money, but that's fine because it's for a better cause. It's for a greater cause, bigger than you. Yeah. Don't. It's way bigger than you. Yeah. Just buy it. Chris Sharma. <laughs> Chris Sharma. Just come back from Spain. Jason Momoa, dude. Oh, you fucking Momoa. Yeah. Dude, he's, you made it. He's got Aquaman money. And you owe us now. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's from Iowa too. Really? Yeah, he's our people. Holy. Well, not from, but he lived there for a long he's time. He's so handsome. Like, he is quite a looker. He's fucking Aquaman. I know. He's got yeah. He's got DC money, dude. He's, he's got, got Hollywood DC. money. Come in there, Momoa. Take care of it. Buy that place. Listen, I, Dave. I will be the manager. Volunteers as tribute. I, 
I have, first of all, I have like 400 bucks. I will throw that down uh, as an investor. Yeah. That's really, and that's then if awesome. you, thank you, Feedy. And if you can't find a manager, me and Feedy will move to Orangeville and fucking co-manage the food ranch for like <laughs> a starting wage of $45 an hour. Can you imagine that, that life? If we took those steps, we did do this. Like 40 just, years down the line, we're just like, oh my God, what the fuck did we do, Dave? No, dude. Orangeville would be transformed. It'd be a metropolis. That's right. Oh We'd call God. it Thunderville. Thunderville. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Actually, you know what? I want this. I'm starting to think about this now. If anybody has Momoa's information, I mean, this thing, you can probably buy this thing for $400,000. <laughs> this is probably what you spend like for on a latte on the Sunset Boulevard. Dude. Dude, today was a big day for news, wasn't it? There's one more piece of yeah, news. Yeah, one more piece of news, guys. This one is... Uh, this one's maybe good-ish bad news. It could be bad and it could be good. I'm leaning towards not the best right now, but we yeah. need some time to talk about this as a community, not that we have any fucking say in it. But um, you guys, if you listen to two episodes ago, we had Brian Runnels and Chris Widener on, and they were the commentators of USA Nationals for... The past... Like four million years, years, five years doing it together. And they were so great. And we had them on the podcast to talk about that. Come to find out. We thought it was Thundercling. We thought Thundercling fucked it all up, but it <laughs> ends up it wasn't us at all. Um, they uh, have stepped away from the job. Louder than 11, the company, the production company, yeah, yeah, the production company has been let go as well as Brian and Chris. Yeah. Hmm. And there was no communication about it. Like everything was under wraps. Brian and Chris didn't even know what was going on. Um, yeah, that part. See, that part is bad. News. I don't that like makes that. Me sad, yeah. But it's because USA Climbing wanted to make a big splash because today it was announced that they have partnered with ESPN for mm. all of their comps, at least I would imagine before the Olympics. And that's why this is all taking place. Damn. I mean,. That's exciting. More eyes on climbing. Yeah. Harder for us to watch it now because yeah, we have if to you, have cable. Yeah, and the days of your free stream are over, dude. Yeah. Obliterated. They're gone. I, I do immediately see some like things, though, that ESPN will will benefit climbing. Like I always thought the streams for the, the USA Nationals or the advertisement for the events itself were like honestly not that visible to me. I see ESPN yeah. just having the, the bandwidth to advertise it and just get it out there but anyways that's that's a, a thing that happened and they don't have to esp i mean we're talking about some things that could be good i have many reservations about yeah. it overall but another good, good thing is that um uh usa climbing louder than 11 brian and chris everybody was learning like during the broadcast right yeah so there was like this uh, it was so real you could almost touch it. You could see like every broadcast got better and more professional. And one would hope the DSPN is going to launch it like ready to go. It's going to hit the yeah. ground running. But is that good for climbing? Like, come fucking more people. Who's going to commentate? Crags? I don't know. Bob Costas? He just he just left NBC. Uh, looks like they're. Uh... Getting up pretty good. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. I'm looking at. Well, I don't understand it, and I don't like it. But I'm here. I don't trust it, Mike. Quite frankly, I, is that Sharma Johnson on the wall right now? That is uh, Belonga 
Sweepus. No. I, I don't know what that is. The Belonga Sweepus is a big new climber out of Chicago. Sharma Johnson, uh, uh, I don't think she's in this event. She, oh. Sharma Johnson was in the last event, and as my understanding goes, you can only Sharma. climb in one event a year. Someone gave me paper, the paper. George, get over here. Help us out. That's, That's That could be what it's like. <laughs> I like how we got more and more southern as that went on. I don't actually. know why that, that happened. happened. That was weird. I'm sorry, guys. That was lazy on our part. That was lazy. That was lazy creativity. <laughs> we could have been talking like of weird... this. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Very slow. Look at that. He's pulling on the undergrips. It's quite tantalizing. I don't like that either. I don't want to no. do this anymore. I don't. Let's move. Let's get out of here. Let's fucking hope it's Bob Costas. <laughs> uh, but also USA Climbing. We uh, were available. You know what the best news is of today? D- Dave Sharma, Johnson McAllister, McAllister. Jr. Yes. Babyface. Yes. Boy. <laughs> yes. Sweet. Oh, oh baby, that's yeah. real funny. Um, the best news of today is that we got we got to interview at least for me my first time, uh, yeah, a personal climbing icon. Yes, for me, he is an icon of yours. Yes, I would say that he is an icon of many a climber. Like. Like the first climb movie I ever saw, he was in it, and like his, his image, his persona, is like was just seared into my mind. Yeah, the one and only Jason Kale or Kale, we don't know. Well, it's in his middle name too, Jason Sharma, Sharma Johnson, Johnson Kale. Okay, that makes so sense. yeah, he's on the show today. We're gonna be talking about all kinds of shit because the dude has discovered the thirty-six hour day. The that guy has just figured out how to. By just, I don't know, we keep talking to people who just fully pursue their passions and then they just create this world where it sustains them and they live really interesting lives and I'm inspired by it. You want to be one of those people? I would love to be one of those people. Let's tick off what he does. So he's a top-end climber. Yes. Uh, 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 He he is one of the best hold shapers in the world. He's a wall designer. He has a sick haircut. He's a video. <laughs> he's a videographer. Uh, we're missing something. Oh, he's a fucking hold shaper. Did you already say that? I just said that. Oh, uh, that's what I meant to say too. <laughs> he does a lot of stuff, and he's got a little new baby girl, Ava Luna, Sharma Ava Luna. Johnson, Kale. Yep, that sounds about right. Junior McAllister. McAllister. <laughs> well, after the interview, he said, Maybe. "What's that?" Why don't we let Jason Let's let him talk for himself Let's let him talk for himself Yeah this is kind of a long interview gang Yeah But it's really really it's good, good. It's you, good. G- you gym industry folks are gonna love it And then the second you half guys You guys don't even know, you don't know how shit. lucky you fucking yeah, are Yeah you're so fucking You're lucky, so fucking man. lucky You can stand it Yeah Brought to you by ESPN Under thumbs Can you see us? I cannot. Thank God. Okay, that's good. <laughs> um, that Skype warfare was kind of fun right there. Nice. So the other dude on the line is Feedy. Hi, Jason. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. How's it go? You have uh, friends coming in, or they already come in? Oh uh, yeah, they just left. Oh right. Um, on. Yeah, they just stopped by. Um. 
first of all, dude, I haven't talked to you in a long time. Congratulations on little Ava Luna. Yeah, thanks. Wow, you're crazy, a, huh? You're a daddy. I know. Happy. <laughs> yeah, how... Uh, I, I, pre- I prefer Pappy. You're a little Pappy. How old is she now? <laughs> uh, she's like five months. Oh, man, so you're not sleeping at all. No, she sleeps. Oh, really? She's... She goes to bed... She goes to bed at like 6 p.m. and she gets up at like 1 or 2. And then she usually gets up at like 4 or 5. Is that your uh is that your place behind you? Your place yeah. your you get you bought a house in outside of Waco? Yeah, um in northeast El Paso. Nice, dude. Congrats on that. Yeah. It's like 35 minutes from Waco. Oh. That sounds hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything? And we bought land, and we bought land like a mile from the the gate of Waco. What are you gonna do with it? Um, eventually build something, maybe get a trailer to start at first. Ooh. Fuck yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you guiding yeah. this year again? Uh, I am, but I'm not like guiding people. I'm just using the guide to like go climbing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take my friends out and stuff, but I'm not like trying yeah. to like get get like work guiding. Yeah. Basically. How many years were you a guide just uh, t- traditionally? Um, I got my guiding in 2010. So Nice dude, that's a minute. Are you, you're writing the guidebook, a Waco guidebook too, right? Yes. With Thai Foos? With Thai Foos. Nice. Master Foos. Matt, yeah, yeah, no shit. He's been there. You've been there since like 96. He's been there since the 80s? Yeah. Maybe. Early 90s. Maybe, yeah. At least. And he's been establishing stuff like the whole time pretty much. Yeah, he's an OG. I think he's man. got like 200 some first ascents in Waco. Oh my God. Um, shit, I'd write a guidebook of just my own stuff then. Um. Yeah. How's it going? How's the guidebook going? How long have you guys been working uh, on it? Slow. Slow. <laughs> it seems like uh, such a huge amount of work goes into those things. It is. Man. It's massive. And, well, we were supposed to just update Matt Wilder's book, which yeah. sounds easy. You know, we just give the information to Wolverine and they have the files in the computer. They update it. Yeah. Uh, instead, we are rewriting the entire thing. <laughs> uh Ty's doing aerial photos of every zone. Um, and then on top of it, we can't seem to not put up first ascents. <laughs> <laughs> we we go out to work on the guidebook and instead we put up like five new first ascents. That like is... I think we've like put up at least thirty maybe 40 problems on North mountain since we started working on the guidebook. Dude, you guys are never going to be done. It's just going to keep going on. <laughs> no, that's, we had the conversation with, uh, Jeff Aki at Wolverine last week. And he was like, at some point you just got to call it and say, <laughs> you know, like there'll be another edition, you know, you got to be done. Yeah. No shit. I mean, yeah. the way you guys develop, it'll be like next year, <laughs> every year will be a yeah, new edition. I mean, we, we just see shit everywhere, so it's it's crazy. Well, that's super promising for the climbing in the area, that there's so much seemingly to be found. Yeah. I mean, I could live here for the rest of my life, and I would not 
you know, even touch it. Like, wow. it's so, there's so much here. Why do you think so, people don't know that? Even people have been going to Waco for a while. I mean, um, they, I think because they just go to the good stuff. The classics. Um, par- partially because of the access issues. You know, you go to Waco, you only have like three days. You have to take a tour to get half to half of the zones. And you want to go to the classics. Like people don't have the luxury of being able to just be like, oh, I'd rather just explore, you know, for like all summer or whatever, or, you know, um, people come, they do the classics and then they leave. Yeah. I mean, totally understandable. Yeah. And there's so much that it's, yeah. It's like overwhelming. (laughs) That's crazy. I'm going to ask another question about Waco and then I want to talk about Joe's, but, uh, so you've been climbing there since like 96. So I kind of like feel you feel like you have a foot in the past. And then of course mm-hmm. you're writing the guidebook one in the, you have a foot in the future. How has Waco changed in all that time? Other than the obvious like restrictions and you need access uh, to get in. How else has it changed? Uh, I would say it hasn't really, I would say that it, as amazing as it was in 96, I don't know. Like to me, it hasn't changed one bit. Like sure. There's, you know, these hoops you have to jump through to get access and, you know, some things have been closed, but like you step out in Waco tanks and you take a breath of fresh air and it is amazing. And, you know, that will never change. You know, Waco Tanks is such a powerful place that that will never change. Oh, man. <laughs> what do you feel like, like every, when you're returning to Waco, maybe back in the day before you were kind of like a full-time resident, what what did you <laughs> feel when you were like driving into Waco? Like what's the emotion that rushed over you as you kind of like crested the hill and saw Waco for all those uh, years? What did, What was your feeling like? Uh, excitement, uh, the unknown, you know, there's like so much to explore. Um, a couple of years I had like serious projects that I was working on. So that spanned several seasons. So for a while there, I definitely had like a lot of, you know, connection to like certain problems I was working on. Um, but yeah, I feel like nowadays when I drive in, it's just like, there's just so much potential out there and it's like, how, how do you have the time to see it all? Or how do you know? <laughs> in or It's just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's endless. Oh dude, that's awesome. Um, what about Joe? You guys, you guys have both been there or, uh, feeding? I've actually have never been there, but it's for sure a must go to spot. All right. Check this, yeah. check this out, dude. So there are like three areas in the United States that I, I'm super embarrassed to admit I haven't gone to. One uh-huh. is the one is the red, and I just went to the red. Nice. So I knocked that one off. I've never been to the southeast, which is just like mm-hmm. embarrassing. But for 17 years, I went to Bishop, and I've never been to Waco. 17 oh, okay. seasons in a row. Wow, 17. That's like... <laughs> A record. It's stupid, I, though. What, like, what the fuck, man? I don't know why I, I never went to Waco. I, I've personally, I've, I have always felt kind of deterred, I guess, because I, to me, it seemed like yeah. there was a barrier of entry to there. Whereas I could, there's so many places where I'm like, I that place looks amazing too, and I've, it's, it seems like I don't have to worry logistically about 
finding yeah guiding or and that's honestly on me too like i should probably look into it more because it sounds like it's not as bad as i have made it out to be in my mind yeah Yeah, i think a lot of people think that and a lot of people go to other areas because yeah that's what they want they they want to go to joe's because the camping's free they don't have to talk to anyone they don't have to pay they can just do whatever they want like that's kind of the draw to a lot of areas and I think when people hear that there's rules to Waco, they're like, oh, screw that. Like, you know, that's not what climbing's about. But, I mean, once you're in there, once you made it past whatever you have to do, like, it's it's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about first world problems. That's like the sacrifices <laughs> the yeah. climbers have to make. <laughs> so tragic. Yeah, I know. Um, what about Joe's, dude? Are, are you uh, heading back there in, anytime soon? Uh, maybe in the spring, maybe next spring. Um, I don't, I think I didn't go last year cause I was down here, but I think the year before that I went and put up some new stuff. Did you discover the flu? No, no, I didn't. Okay. But I, I was around kind of when they were going up there. Um, yeah. J- Jason, I'm curious. I, had, I haven't checked it out. Oh, it's good. I haven't seen it. It's super good. Yeah. Jason, I'm curious, when you were, uh, before you settled on Hueco, was there anywhere else that you had in mind as a place where you could potentially have stayed for as long as you have stayed at Hueco? Um, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there is a place, because, uh, you know, I was living in Colorado for a, a while. Oh, really? Um, and I just wasn't as psyched in Colorado, sadly enough, um, I mean, it is amazing. Colorado is amazing. Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about Waco and yeah. Dude, you put in good time in Colorado too. You put up like a ton of stuff at Evans, right? Yeah. No, Evans is like my spot in Colorado for sure. Like I never was into the park, um, any of that stuff as much. Um, But yeah, it's just so exhausting. Like, drive it you drive for an hour you hike for an hour you climb all day and then you reverse it which it's just yeah yeah it's big big days it's from denver like where i live to the park like from door to door it's three and a half hours and like as the crow flies with no traffic it should be like 70 minutes yeah it just gets old, dude. But yeah, it, it does. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. All right, I'm, let's hit the rewind button. Even you know, yeah. I was thinking about this before we hooked this up. Is you are the person, either for the internet or climb talk, that I've interviewed the most in my life. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. <laughs> it's you, dude. Um. Uh-huh. So you started climbing in high school in Baltimore, I think in the early nineties. Can you talk about how, like, how did you discover climbing? And also I know it did just from listening to you talk previously, but how it changed your life, both in like high school and how you began to define yourself. Um, Well, the first time I tried to discover climbing, um, I was like on a family vacation and I was like, I don't know, 14 or 13 or something. And uh, I saw this rock climbing book, like how to rock climb. Um, And I was like begging my parents to buy it for me. I was like, give me this book. I I 
I need this book. And they're like, no, <laughs> you're never going to read this book. You know, it was like this book is a waste of time. You're going to kill yourself, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so they didn't, they didn't buy me this book. I actually have the book in the front room. Holy crap. I could, I could it out. But, um, so they didn't buy me the book. And then I was just turned off. I was like not talking to anyone the rest of the day. <laughs> and so we went back and we bought the book. So, I didn't read the book for like four years. Like I didn't touch the book. It just like sat on the shelf. Um, and then one day I like picked up the book and I was like, Oh, I'm like psyched. Um, started reading about whatever repelling or bouldering, you know, climbing. Um, and then I started like building these routes on trees in my parents' uh, backyard. I was like, cause I, my father had this like little wood shop. So I was like, always making things out of wood so i started making like these wooden holds nailing them to the trees and i was protecting it with like a static line and a prussic nice following this like 50 foot giant tree with like wooden holds nailed to it with like a prussic holy crap and then i would get to the top and i would like you know transition to like a figure eight and i would repel back down um (laughs) And so that, that was kind of how it started. Wow. And then uh, my mother was like, you're, you're definitely going to kill yourself now. Um, <laughs> and our tree. Yeah. Uh, the tree survived, actually. <laughs> Some of the holes are still there. But, um, and this was around the time that Clipper City Rock Gym, the Baltimore uh, climbing gym, was coming out. This is like 94 or so, um, 93, 94, maybe even 92. Um, so I took an indoor outdoor class, um, at the Clipper city rock gym. Um, this was the gym that burned down. I don't know if you heard the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was how I fell in <laughs> love with it and kind of a strange roundabout story, but, um, I just always had this like love for the outdoors. Um, like soon as I would get off the bus from school, I would just like, run into the forest and just hang out there until the sun went down, um, climbing trees, doing whatever. So climbing just seemed, you know, like an extension of that and the ability to travel and, you know, climb in new places. And yeah, it was like the full package. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard quite the, (laughs) the origin climbing story like that before. (laughs) yeah but that's a that's awesome dude you were psyched man you built your own holds yeah yeah (laughs) it was just like i mean there was a small area near my parents house like 15 minutes away but um had a lot of trees and i was always climbing trees so it was like just the easy way to to do it so how does someone who goes from building wooden holds on trees transition into you know one of the most prolific uh, climbers, I guess. Like, did you have a mentor at this gym that you started climbing at or were you just so psyched? Um, I, I kind of did. Um, there was a Spanish climber there, uh, Jordy <laughs> Dallas, and he was kind of like the head route setter. And I just remember seeing him, you know, climb up this like five twelve route, like walk it finesse style, whatever, and then down climb it. Wow. And it was just like, it was like amazing to me. I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, like I saw that and I was like, wow, he's like so controlled, 
so precise, so strong, you know. Um, so he, he kind of, I took, you know, onto him and he showed me a lot and we eventually started training together. Um, after the gym burned down, he moved to the Earth Treks, the first Earth Treks in Colombia. He was a head route setter there and then he moved to Spain and then I took over his job um, as the head route setter there. Um, but he was definitely a climber that I always looked up to and, um, yeah, kind of like always climbed with him and I kept visiting him and climbing with him in Spain afterwards too. And yeah, he's, he's an awesome guy. Nice. What about, so you're in Baltimore. I can't imagine in like 1994, there are a ton of climbers there. What was your relationship to like the other kids in school when you started climbing and you got psyched? Like, did you uh, rope in some friends or were you just solo? I tried to, I tried to, I tried to rope in friends. I like, I remember driving one day, like 40 minutes up into Pennsylvania to pick up this kid. So he'd come and belay me on this like (laughs) trad route. And he had never belayed before. Holy crap. I just like, told him how to do it and I pretty much just soloed it, you know. Um, had another friend, best friend in high school who tried to get into climbing and we did go on a, like, you know, end of high school road trip. Um, right out of high school, we drove to like Cave Rock, Yosemite, Smith Rock, Devil's Tower, um, you know, like every like everything that you know you you dream of like being a kid on the east coast as, as far as like west coast climbing okay. um drug him along on that trip and basically the whole time he just missed his girlfriend <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's rough it wasn't, it wasn't really the trip for him but um yeah there, there wasn't a lot of climbers and i mean that was fine like i kind of really distanced myself from people in high school like I kind of just wanted to like slide on through um I wasn't anything like I am now you know like I didn't want to be noticed I didn't want people to see me I didn't want people to like talk to me I was just like let's get this over with and let (laughs) me get out of here (laughs) what made that change because obviously, um because I because I think I found my people and I think I found my passion and I I was always a shy kid growing up and I didn't feel like I could, you know, speak out in front of these like rednecks or jocks or whatever the crowd was. Um, and so finally when I was climbing, I felt like, okay, this is something I understand. I can do it. And um, I just felt confident, you know, that was when I started getting confidence, I think. So you go on the road. Um, which is an amazing road trip, dude. Like Devil's Tower, Smith Rock, at like the apex of its, uh, of being like famous probably back then. What was it like? 95? 94. Yeah. I graduated in 94. Yeah. Oh so, crap. Well, like, all these, like I had the, the Wolfgang Gulick book and I was like looking at yeah. photos of him in Cave Rock and I was like, I want to go there. And it was like, that was like the first spot we went to and. Yeah, has I I was gonna ask a different question, but I, I need to ask, has the psych always remained the same? I mean, it's kind of a nostalgic question. It's hard to answer. We all go. Th- I mean, I've been climbing for twenty years too. Mm-hmm. Has the is the psych still as visceral for you as it was back then? 
I I think so, but that's because I just kind of always do my own thing. Um, I remember like going out to this like random area before class, before high school, and just spending like two three hours in the woods in the morning, like brushing these boulders, you know. Yeah. And just there were there weren't anything amazing. There was like a line here, a line there, whatever. They each had their own like interesting bits about them. And like, I love that, you know, like I'm kind of a loner and I like being by myself and I like having time to think and being out there. And that's exactly what I do now. I go into Waco by myself. I find these random rocks, <laughs> I clean them up and it hasn't changed one bit since like that, you know, high school moment. That's awesome, man. That's a true lifer right there. Well, it's fantastic yeah. too that you found a way to sort of make that your, your career. You know, I think that's something that anyone who has a passion like that aspires to, to, to yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard, you know, yeah. cause you think about it as like this one sided thing. Oh, rock climbing is the sport. That's it. But yeah, like for me, there's like a lot of different aspects of climbing and, um, it's easy because I'm driven by it so much that, you know, I can use that drive in climbing. I can use that drive in wall design. I can use yeah. that in shaping. It's like all this, it feels the same for me. I'm going to piggyback on Feedy. Like, as you just said, you're successful in so many different venues of climbing, like climbing, shaping, gym design, making videos, route setting. You're going to be a published guidebook author. When you first started climbing and shaping holes, and kind of dabbling into all these different aspects of climbing, did you have any aspiration at all that the trajectory of your life would turn out the way it has? Like, did you even have the faintest hint, or were you, like, really working towards that goal? No. I mean, I was working towards nothing. I just wanted to do it. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. I feel like people that there's a lot of people that get into climbing because they're like, Oh, I want to make some money or uh, oh, I'm competitions. Cause I'm going to win some money or something like money is not the reason to do anything. Like money is secondary and like, you know, it shouldn't be considered at all. Um, it was just an outlet. It was just fun. It was just, I mean, I was always into art in school and I always did like after school art classes and, um, you know, there's so many different aspects of art and if you can, you know, merge those with climbing, it just seemed like that's, you know, awesome. Like, and, and the first time I did it, I was like, Oh, I want to do it because I, I, you know, first I want to do it because I want to recreate something. I like making things. So I want to make my own holds. Um, but then later down the road, like when I was hanging out, like pusher and cordless back in the day, I was like, Oh, yeah. like, let like please let me shape for you guys yeah. like i want to shape some real holds and like get them in like a real gym and you know um so that kind of i mean it was helpful that i was you know a pro climber sponsored by these companies and then kind of got my foot in the door and they were like oh yeah we'll let you shape and then they liked it and it was like okay keep doing it Hey man, as a route setter, uh, I gotta say, I'm a huge fan <laughs> of a huge range of your holds. Like that, I love the bubbies. Nice. Um, they nice. definitely stand out in my mind when I'm 
grabbing holds. I'm like, all right, these are going to be fun to set with. There's just a right. lot of, a lot of room for uh, creative with those things. So thanks for making those. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> it's cool for to sure. hear. It's cool to hear that you started making holds just in a wood shop when you were, before you even really were a climber. Like yeah. that's, that's super fascinating to me. Yeah. That's just kind of like the mentality of like my family. Um, like we would just, you know, instead of buying stuff, like my father would make things, you know? Yeah. Like I remember like when I was a kid, like Freddy Krueger was really big. <laughs> yeah. So my, my, my father made me like the Freddy Krueger glove out of like a leather glove and like wood. Like awesome. it was like wood, it was like wooden finger slots <sighs> with like wooden, wooden blades, you know? Um, so yeah, that was just kind of how we, we did things. And like my father built everything in our house. Um, so it was like, oh, you know, what's this? Oh, it's cool. Let's make it ourselves was kind of like the mentality. Wow, that's awesome, dude. I wish my, da- my dad would get me like an Optimus Prime. <laughs> and I thought nice. that was cool. There you go. <laughs> uh-huh. um, nice. How has the like shaping holds in that industry changed for you over the years as well? Because, I mean, it's just like um, exploded since it, you started. No, it's. Yeah, it's out of control. Well, everything is actually exploded um, because uh, I was really into photography too. Um, you know, I took a bunch of photography in college and, you know, back in the day it was like you need to know how to use a camera or have a video camera or own a video camera to even start. <laughs> and then it was like, how do you edit it? You know, it's like this, this shit was like super complicated. Now everyone does it on their phone. Yep. Uh, just like everyone starts a hold company, <laughs> um, <laughs> like every single person starts a hold company and, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, um, I feel like back in the day, you know, like you would go to the gym and you'd be like, oh, okay, pusher, stone age, voodoo, Metolius, whatever climate, you know, like you've got these companies and now it's like you know, take that times 50 and you can't even get enough holds to like even scratch the surface in your gym, you know, like there's so many new holds coming out that like a gym can't have like even like 10% of the market. It's like crazy. Like, especially with like European companies or Asian companies, like it's, yeah, it's like out of control. I don't, I don't know how they, how you can make like with, with you out there, you're shaping for So Ill only, right? Yeah. Okay, so you and So Ill, hugely popular. Um, you still have Metolius. Who else? Uh, Kilter is out there. Like, so these people, these are big names like uh, Jason Kale, uh, uh, Ian Powell. You know, like, how do you make a name for yourself with a new company? Like, what what, what do you do? How are these guys surviving? I don't know. It's hard. And a lot, a lot of guys ask that of me, um, in hold shaping and in, in uh, wall design, you know, guys are like, Oh, you know, I really want to make it as a hold shaper or I want to make it as a wall designer. And if that's all you've got going for you, like, I think it's really hard. Um, you know, everyone, they're going to be like, Oh, this was shaped by so-and-so. And they're like, who's that? You know, like, yeah. I'd never heard of him. Like, is he a climber? Is 
he some overweight uh, computer nerd like <laughs> uh you know it's it's super hard so i think that being a pro climber definitely was you know tied into all of that and uh kickstarted all that it was like my platform and um yeah you can't just be like oh i'm a hold shaper I'm the best hole shaper there is, you know, that's, that's what I do. And like expect people to, to understand that, um, super hard. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's unique. You're in a unique situation too, where, uh, you kind of have, like when you see crypto child, you think Jason Kale, you know, whereas a lot of other hold companies or you, it's sort of a nameless company in, or a faceless company in a sense, I guess they're. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the way that I, work with everything you know like the holds like the innies the bubbies like these are things that you're going to remember you know it's not like this company has the holds and they're called you know the random name that you've never heard of yeah yeah and you're just like okay i'm never going to remember that <laughs> um and then you know you know we do the trade shows or whatever and people walk up and they're like oh there's the innies you know like they've seen them they've heard the name the name makes sense um yeah i think that's super important and i feel like that's kind of what i was doing from the start as far as marketing myself um just i had like a website back in the day like when no one had a website you know i had a blog like when no one was doing that at all um and yeah, now it's just like exploded. <laughs> plus, plus, man, you guys, at least you, you weren't afraid to like totally break the mold of what was considered, what's kind of like the standard of holds, right? Like you guys had the crazy faces, the teeth, all the yeah. kind of organic <laughs> biological yeah, looking sure stuff. That was like, I think, I don't know if that was Dan, Dan Chancellor, the uh, owner of So. I don't know if that was his idea but basically the plan that happened was we came out on the scene and you know made like all this crazy stuff got everyone's attention and then after we got everyone's attention we drew it back a bit and refined everything and so now everyone has the attention and now they're like okay the new stuff is really cool um and everyone kind of forgot about the weird stuff although it kind of still has like that lasting, like, you know, vibe. So ill, like, okay, those guys do some crazy shit. Oh, that's so smart, dude. Doing that, like starting, kicking it off with wild holds that nobody's ever seen, like gives you the time to go back and like make the boring stuff that you need as a brand and as a line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause when they started out, like, they were like, oh, we want to make all these like horrible slopers, like these heinous holds. Like they, they got Louis Anderson to shape a bunch of like horrible font slopers for them and a bunch of like terrible like screw on crimps. And basically none of the holds they were selling, anyone wanted to buy because they were so bad. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, we need jugs. Like we need a bunch of jugs. Like everyone buys jugs. Like, uh, so yeah, definitely, uh, a learning curve as far as what you want to shape and what you want to like show people and what is, you know, money making in the market. Where do you draw your inspiration for it? I know you've been asked this a million times, but I don't know if I've, I've 
if I've asked you before, like, do you use more from like the natural world or more from your um, imagination and artistic vision? Uh, imagination, random shit. Um, basically like I am, have no interest in sitting down and shaping a set of sandstone holds. Like that sounds like the worst job ever for me. Um, <laughs> So, and I don't want to ever shape anything that's been done. And a lot of people have no problem with that. And a lot of companies have no problem putting out holds that have been done for like 20 years. Um, so, and I don't think people realize that there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes that you guys don't see. I'm shaping all the time and I'm coming up with stuff. And if it's not good enough or if it's too similar to something else, or, you know, whatever, it's like, we're not going to do it. Um, and so I think we take extra time to make sure that what we're doing is new, interesting, and people, you know, haven't seen it before. And that's why my inspiration is, is everywhere. You know, it's like, I'll see something at the supermarket, I'll see something online. Um, yeah, it's whatever. But I, I'm really trying to get away from, like, natural rock climbing which is strange because i'm a natural rock climber yeah exactly <laughs> you're like spend 99 percent of your time outside yeah like i i'm like like i'm all rock you know like like that's 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 me for for rock climbing but when i'm indoors like i understand well i think maybe that's the thing okay I love rock climbing so much and I respect it so much that I'm not trying to recreate that indoors. Like you can't recreate that indoors. And if you try to, it comes out like horrible. So I'm trying to create something new, something different, something weird. Uh, but in the same line of climbing, you know, um, you know, like all these shapes that I'm doing, you know, they are based in some way off nature, I'd like to think, you know, and maybe they're exaggerated or they have this like cartoon twist to them. Um, but yeah, I think climbing indoors should be like the, the total opposite of outdoors. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like a 1994 gym. <laughs> no. And that's, that's why, you know, I think it's more popular now because you go in now and you're like on these huge pink, blobs and you know you're like wow this is like really fun like why do i want to go outside and shred my skin on, on something <laughs> sharp like this i'll just i'll just stay in here the rest of my life ah oh, dude let's see now i feel like you're doing a commercial now we're gonna switch gears well yeah you stay, stay you, out of the rock stay out <laughs> of the rock and go into my gyms so you just designed yeah. the new earth treks in inglewood colorado the nation's largest yeah. gym. Holy it's moly. it's your millionth gym. How did that all start? Because I'm super super interested in how you stuck your toe into that side of the business. Um, yeah, kind of kind of random, and uh, it initially started with uh, Earth Trek's um, Timonium, which was their second location, and they were like, "Okay, we're gonna." Do this new location we want you and the other head setter which was ben montgomery um to design the gym and we designed it out of foam board by hand um, to scale um and honestly ben did a lot of the work i was, <laughs> I, was like, I was like a slacker i was like training whatever um climbing um so ben did a lot of work he put a lot of legwork in on that and uh i kind of just 
oversaw it, kind of, kind of had my input. Uh, our third location, um, Rockville, they got Jason Thomas at Eldo Wall to design it. And I sat in on a couple of the meetings with him, uh. um, gave him some input, saw it worked, not too much else going on. Um, and then I was living in the van for years and years and uh, kind of just, I don't know, I, I was kind of didn't have much going on other than like <laughs> climbing, climbing, shaping holds and living in the van, you know, like that, that was life. Um, and then I met my wife, Martina in Waco, probably like a year before, um, year or two before the Golden Gym. And, you know, we were living in Colorado and scraping by. And then out of the blue, Chris Warner ha- had me over for dinner with uh, Scott Heitman, who was the vice president, whatever at the time. And uh, they were like, we want you to design our new gym. It's going to be in Golden, Colorado. Oof. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, I mean, they, they know of my artistic background. They know of my shaping and all that. Um, but they were basically like, okay, we, we want you to design it. We're going to pay you this much. And you need to start learning the program right now. And I was like, okay, wow. Um, that was totally a turning point, I think, in my design career. Because um, if that opportunity didn't come along, who knew you know, if I would even have gotten into that at all? Um, so basically, I messed around with the program for a couple weeks. And... We had a meeting, and Chris was like, okay, let's see what you got. Like, we want to see what you, you know, you're thinking. And uh, I showed him the SketchUp file that looked like something from, like, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> on it was, like, all these mushrooms and all these, like, tubular, like, towering boulders. And he was like, okay, when are you going to start designing the walls? <laughs> I was like, listen, man, I'm just exploring canvas, you know, uh, I need to see, I need to see how this program works and I'm just trying to like, you know, figure it out. That sounds um, so stressful. <laughs> not, not for me. Uh, okay. I was having a good time. Uh, but, uh, so basically I had a lot of ideas and a lot of concepts that I wanted to do. And for golden, I honestly, just didn't have a grasp on how to work the program, um, which, you know, is a learning curve with any, you know, computer software. Yeah. And so I was, you know, trying to do a lot of stuff and I couldn't actually do it. And so I was having like the Waltopia designers help me. And uh, eventually, you know, we got the gym built and I look back on it now and I'm like, it sucks. But it got me kind of, that was like the stepping stone. Yeah. And I even like went back and like redesigned some of the walls that I did in golden with my current knowledge of SketchUp. And it's like to- a totally different thing. You um, think, you think the golden, your design for the golden gym sucks in yes. retrospect? Yes. Why? I mean, you've well, seen me there. I've, I've, I, <laughs> I climbed there for a lot of years. I thought it was, yeah, I, I had all these ideas about, you know, like, you know, these like spiraling walls and these curved walls. And um, I didn't understand how to how to do it. Yeah. 
um, as far as like having everything be clean and all these things I was trying to do, like the Waltopia designer would take them and do them, but he wasn't really doing them how I, I wanted them like in reality done. Like he was kind of just making it happen. So there's a lot of like broken panels. There's a lot of like triangles where there shouldn't be triangles. Um, so when, when I go back and look at it, I can see a lot of ways to simplify the design and have it look exactly the same, but have it be a lot, uh, just, I don't know. It's just, it's too complicated. Like, um, like there was this, you know, right by the bathrooms on the right, there's that one like kind of sickle wall. Yeah. Looks like this like hook. Um, I took that and redesigned it and I took it from like, I don't know, 19 panels, which is what it is made of at the current moment down to like 12. And it looks exactly the same. So mm-hmm. I got rid of a lot of like um, unnecessary angle changes and stuff like that. Um, but it's just like, I mean, now I'm still like learning the program, mm-hmm. like, and I'm learning like shortcuts and I'm learning ways to be faster. And um, now I can pretty much do anything I want. Like if I have an idea or concept, like I can, I can do it. Um, and I think you can see that in the designs after Golden, if you if you look at those designs. Yeah, the gym in Inglewood. I'll give you props for this. Um, the The bouldering is great. I love the bouldering, and that's where I spent most of my time. The couple times I've been there, but your the sport walls are it like I was instantly drawn to them because you're like you found a way to get rid of hard edges. Like, yeah, yeah it really flows and it looks almost like a natural like limestone wall. It's amazing, dude. I, how is that just the refinement that you've kind of chipped away at over the years? Yeah, for sure. And I'm still chipping away at it, but like, yeah, how to make, how to make walls meet, how to make like a 30 degree wall meet with a 15 degree wall and not have it be some like weird triangle that you know you can't put any holds on like that stuff's like super difficult and uh yeah it's just a matter of like hours and hours of just sitting there and being like what happens if i turn it this way or like you know just approaching it differently or like changing a wall in a different direction like yeah it's super tough like you know having everything connected like and not only that like if you search sketchup uh tutorials for abstract uh, wall design, like you don't find anything. There's no, there's nothing out there. Uh-huh. Um, so you know you're gonna you're gonna find tutorials on how to make a table, how to make uh, like whatever, you know, basic room or something like that. But none of these have abstract panels that have different angles that are not only different angles, but you know, turning to the left or to the right. So it's like it's like really complicated. I, I mean, um, I can't even imagine. It seems so intimidating. I'd shit my pants and pass out <laughs> if somebody asked me to design a room in a gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you stepped up to the plate. But, <laughs> but Jason, as someone who knows you primarily from the dosage films, I have to ask, because I'm so curious, how did that relationship originate? Um, like, how did you meet the Lowell brothers? And Oh, yeah. well... It kind of a funny story, kind of not funny, but uh, <laughs> for some people. But uh, um, no, uh, 
I knew the lulls because I was a competition climber on the East Coast. Um, this was in the early 90s, and I was competing against, you know, like Obi Carrion, Ivan Green, Zadine Vinegar, like mm. Josh Lowell was like a key player at that time. Um, and like right around those, that time, those guys started, you know, making videos. Um, they did the Big Up Bouldering in the Gunks was their first video. Um, and I was kind of around at the time. I wasn't like climbing with those guys. Um, and then I was actually in Waco when they, sh- I actually left Waco when they shot free Waco. Like I oh, climbed wow. with Obi. I climbed with Obi that whole season of Waco and then I left and then they shot free Waco. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite um, climbing movie of all time, dude. Yeah. So I was like hanging out with Obi and Nate Gold, like that whole season um, and then I like, I split and then they shot that video. Um, so I knew those guys. I was, I was friends with all those guys. Like we're, we're all still really good friends. Um, and, and then, so what happened was with the dosages was, I don't know, I was working at the earth in Columbia and I heard that those guys were going down to Boone, North Carolina. I don't know if Obi told me or someone told me. Um, but basically they were going down to Boone, North Carolina to shoot a dosage with Ivan Green about all this new climbing in Boone, North Carolina. Yeah. And so I called up Josh and I was like, yo man, what's up? Like, how's it going? Like, I heard you guys are going to North Carolina. Like, is it cool if I come along and hang out? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if I was like overstepping my, my, uh, right <laughs> of asking, but, uh, I basically invited myself yeah. to come along and. <laughs> It wasn't because I was like, oh, I want to get in your film. You know, I was like, oh, I want to go climbing. Like, I'm not doing anything else. And so I went and I ended up climbing more stuff than Ivan. And the focus of the video switched from Ivan to me. Little known fact, hidden fact. um, It switched. So the the whole focus of the dosage turned out like it was going to be about me at that point. Holy crap. Um, Yeah. So like that was kind of another big turning point in my, in my career that solidified my position. Um, And me and Ivan have always been competitive and I've even like (laughs) a couple first ascents from him, like here and there throughout the Northeast that he's pretty about, I'm sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't. I mean, we're still friends. Dude, but. that's that is fantastic. That one of the most <laughs> like serendipitous things was a, a self invite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but um, totally. at what point did you feel comfortable with enough with the Lowell brothers to pitch the uh, stilts sketch? Stilts, <laughs> dude. Um, okay, well, so the basically they were like, we want to come down to Maryland and we want to shoot an intro to your video. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I got some great <laughs> because I was doing a lot of photography at that point, yeah. uh, black and white photography. And I was doing a lot of like really like interesting stuff that was, you know, just out there, you know? And, uh, so the, he came down and I was like, Oh, I got this great first ascent. I did let's film it. It's at this area near my parents' house. It's like this really killer, like overhanging, like, finger of a like boulder it's like balanced there 
And so we get up there, we set everything up, set all the cameras up. I'm going to like redo the moves and he's going to film it. And that's going to be the intro to the, the, the movie. And then it starts raining. The holds start getting wet. I'm just like, okay, dude, I don't think this is happening. He like drove all the way down to Maryland from <laughs> Connecticut. And I'm like, okay, how about we go to this graveyard down the street? And uh, I've got my stilts in the van and I've got some other shit and let's, uh, let's, you know, do this other thing. Like th- this was plan B basically. Um, so we went to this graveyard, shot all this stuff with the stilts and all this other stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I had all that stuff in my van, like the, uh, <laughs> the, the grave rubbing, which I went and made uh, at this, uh, graveyard where my grandfather was buried and I like took some of the letters from his name and some of the letters from other people's name uh, to create my own name um, but yeah we just we just went there and did that and uh, yeah that, that was his that's history I guess ah <laughs> oh, dude so how did uh, I mean you were in every dosage film too after that you were in all yeah. six five five uh, yeah, I think so. Um, some, the Arkansas one, I was a short piece in the Arkansas one. Um, we just went and reshot this first descent. I did bloody knuckles. And then the, the Albert scene one was one that I actually pitched to them. Um, I was like, you know, there's this awesome new area in Spain, red sandstone. I'm going there, like send bread out, whatever. <laughs> And Chris um, Lindner. <laughs> yeah, th- that was random. Chris Lindner, <laughs> he was not supposed to be there uh, at all. Like, uh, <laughs> but he he's cool. Like, and I haven't seen him since, so who knows? But <laughs> uh, um, no, uh, yeah, I pitched that idea to Josh. I was like, I'm going. It's gonna be awesome. Like, I've got this concept. I wrote an article for who was an urban climber at the time, I guess. Mm. I don't know, urban climber or dead point or one of the, one of those people. But the whole thing was like, you know, I'm this like agent going there to check it out. Um, and then when we were hanging out, I was like, yo, like we should take advantage of the city because the city was sick with that castle yeah. and that one building that had like the two, like, you know, roads going two different directions. And I was like, we, you know, I saw that in a postcard. I was like, look, like we got to go do this. Like we got to like, you know, like show people this. So just came up with this like, yeah. you know, you plot. Got, you guys got some fantastic B-roll in that town. Like it looks like completely empty except for you. And I mean, it's amazing. Like, yeah, like perfect background for like a Bond film or some shit. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> wow, that's cool, dude. So um, what was was that kind of the birth of Crypto Child? As like, uh, I don't want to call it a no, persona, but uh, no, that kind of that started because um, even before that, in like I don't know, maybe like two thousand ish, I w- I started a website, um, and I wanted I needed a name for the website, and I came up with Crypto Child for the website. That was how that kind of started. Um, and then I just used that and, you know, kept using it and kind of just like built off of that. Um, 
so yeah, it, it was kind of, oh, just we'll start this website. This will be what it's called. Um, and then it kind of just went from that to being, you know, the hold later and yeah, everything else. Yeah. Well, you kind of, you created this factory industry around kind of the crypto child motif, right? Um, you, your videos, your art. So my question is like, you're a really kind, thoughtful, pretty understated guy. So when you meet people for the first, ah, that's my mom calling. Hold on one sec. There we go. <laughs> uh, sorry, we, mom. Sorry, mom. When you meet people for the first time, uh, do you ever get like looks of shock or like confusion that you're not like, you're not going to juggle baby heads in front of them? Or, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't see it necessarily. You know, my friends are the ones that see it. Um, cause people don't look straight to your face and you're like, what, what's going on? <laughs> uh, they, like after you walk by, they, they look, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but in general, yeah, that's kind of the vibe I get. Like people are kind of shocked that I'm nice. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so nice, but I don't think I come off as like a jerk or like an ass. Like I'm not trying to be like a hard, like you know, a hard ass to people. Like it's just this unknown weirdness that I think people don't can't relate to. That they're like, oh, if someone's like that, you know, they have to be like antisocial or like you know, I don't know. No, it's quite, it's quite the opposite though. You know, you're like super friendly and you interact with everybody. Like if people don't come up and talk to you and are like whispering, I'm sure that would make you uncomfortable. Just like (laughs) come up and say hi. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, for sure. No, I've been in situations where people like message me. They're like, Oh, I saw you. I'm like, what? Like, Like, why do you like walk up and say hello? Like, they message me afterwards. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's weirder. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's weird for everybody involved. Yeah. Last questions about that stuff, dude. Do you still have the stilts? Yeah, I do. <laughs> if, I do. I I have the stilts, and I have I have a a new pair of stilts that that I made that are like high tech aluminum whoa. shit. Yeah. You should sell that shit. Is that gonna be in the next so dosage. Well. Well, actually, I I tried to sell them to Josh. I, I, I made these I made these really nice aluminum stilts, and the whole point was Josh wanted these stilts to shoot the dawn wall, and what? so he contacted contacted me. He was like, "I want you to design me these stilts oh to shoot the dawn wall," and I was like, "Okay." Um, made the stilts, and then drove them up there and gave them to him and then i guess i never used them because whatever they figured out some other technique with the ropes or whatever um so they were meant for the dawn wall but they they never got used so then two years ago i was driving back up to boston to see obi and i was like yo josh i want my stilts back (laughs) i'm coming for my stilts josh yeah i stopped by and got them what was he going to use them for to like get more distance (laughs) from the wall yeah, to like press out from the wall. Yeah. He wanted like certain different attachments that he could clip on so he could like push out farther from the wall. Oh my God, what a fucking cool <laughs> little tidbit of climbing history that is. 
it's all connected. It's like <laughs> a web. It is a web. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, I love that you you and like Obi and Josh, all all you guys were kind of at this like really fascinating like uh point in the history of bouldering in the US. And I'm just curious, like, do you guys all do you still stay in touch with anybody? Do you guys ever like talk and be like, man, that's do you ever think that this was gonna become like so like uh, a part of climbing culture, you know? Like did you guys have any idea that it was gonna become so big? Like the dosages? Um... I don't know if we ever talk about it like that. I mean, yeah, I talk, I talked to Josh a decent amount. I talked to Obi a bunch. Um, they both have a different perspective on the <laughs> on the whole thing. Really? Uh, well, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Jo- Josh is still like you know head down working hard to like you know you know perfect his craft, and he he's such a hard worker and uh, amazing at what he does. Um, and Obi, Obi's, you know, he's not in on that creative end. He's he's more just like the athlete end. Um, so yeah, I think Obi, you know, he he definitely brings up, oh, you know, that we we were doing that shit back in the day. That was the real stuff, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we had we had some good times back then, back during the PCA and all that, and yeah. Yeah, dude, you guys were there before the bouldering explosion. That's different because yeah. I was kind of there during it, right? I'd start. I started climbing in '98, so I was mm-hmm. like, two, in two years, I was like, "Oh, bouldering is the shit." But you guys were like already making your names, and then you're like, "What is going on around here, dude? <laughs> Everybody's bouldering." Yeah. No, no, it's definitely strange. Like I remember the first time going to Bishop was like in '95 or '96, and like bouldering wasn't a thing like you know there was like i think like a printed book that had like lines drawn on the boulders but there weren't bouldering grades and you know there weren't like you know problems or anything like that and i remember going to like the buttermilks and just like messing around like we were climbing in we were, we were there because we were climbing owens river gorge yeah you know we're climbing in owens river gorge uh-huh. and we were like oh, let's go to bit buttermilks on our rest day and just mess around you know that was like kind of the mentality of bouldering it wasn't like a sport or whatever boy that place has changed a lot holy <laughs> shit man you yeah, guys were there pre-pit i don't think the pit was built so until 98 uh yeah yeah then that was pre-pit but then when i came back in evolution and all that stuff up the pit was we stayed at the pit for sure I forgot about evolution. I can't believe I forgot about that. So let's talk about some climbing. Do you have a couple more minutes? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got all night. I'm, my wife's working till midnight and the baby's asleep. Sweet. We'll keep you a little longer. So, uh, yeah, let's get into some climbing. Like climbers are inspired by a million different things, height, difficulty, aesthetics, whatever. What inspires you most or draws you to get on a particular climb. And I'm talking about the ones that you can't let go until you send. Like, what is the inspiration there? What draws you to those lines? Um, for sure. Like the beauty of the line, like the shape of the line, like the sculpt, like that's why I love Waco. Cause everything's like so sculpted, you know, you'll get these like crazy, like dripping, like streaked features and, um, at at some point, you know, I, I do have that 
I want to do it because it looks impossible. I want to do it because it looks too dangerous to do. Um, that that definitely is like a draw for me. Um, like there's certain problems that the first time I looked at them, I remember just like taking my breath away because I like looked down at the landing and I'm like, Oh God. (laughs) Like, and I love that feeling, you know, because you know, once I figured it out and like conquered it, like that feeling didn't exist. But I know that that's the feeling that you're going to get when you go look at it. So, yeah, uh, it's awesome. Like that first impression, like I love that first impression of like when you see something and you're like, oh, wow, like that looks amazing. But that looks like terrifying. And <laughs> just the whole like process of breaking that down and like making it work and like, I don't know. It's like a huge ordeal, and like you feel like you've really pulled something off when when you you do something like that. Fuck yeah! I mean, let's get a little master class from a guy that stood on top of like some of the most epic boulders for decades. So like, everyone feels fear when they're above their last piece of shitty gear, or like running it out on a slab or whatever. How do you, and we've talked about this before, and I'm going to link to one of our interviews because mm. it's my favorite interview I've ever done with you and uh, Corey Richards. I don't know, I don't know if you remember okay, that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was so interesting. Sure. Um, I want to talk about it a little bit more. How do you personally manage <laughs> and more importantly deal with the fear involved of doing a first ascent high ball? Like one that's going to take that process. Um, I think it's all about just breaking it down. And then, so at first, all you see is fear. You know, you walk up, all you see is fear. Um, and then as you start to break it down, you're like, okay, I can make it through this beginning section. It's completely fine. So, okay, I've eliminated the fear there. And then there's a crux. Okay, that's fear <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and then maybe the ending's not so bad. So, you know, you break it down, you start to like work it, you realize where it is dangerous, what could happen. Um, you know, you start testing the falls or, you know, you, you figure out a way to work it that is safe. Um, and basically when you get to the point that you're ready to send, there's, there's only a certain amount of, I guess, like space in the climb where fear could exist and you could you know get messed up um and that that's like the magic you know that's like you know you you flow through the beginning which is difficult but still doable and then you get to that one point where you're like okay this this is the serious bit um i i can't mess up and yeah that's i think that's when the magic happens and you know you do it and um you step out on the other side and you're like, okay, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. But my question is like, what is the magic? What is that magic? Like you've talked about fear being an illusion before. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, it's about understanding. Like, um, you know, that first impression when you see a wall and you know, why is it scary? Because first it's tall second the landing's bad like that's all you see you don't see the holds you don't understand what's hard you don't understand what's not hard um all you see is high difficult and bad landing which all equate to fear 
but once you start breaking those down, you know, you understand more and then you start understanding that there's no reason to be afraid and, you know, um, and then I think if you are afraid, I think you need to know that you should not be doing it or you should be backing off, you know, or this is not the right time. I feel like that's uh, a good observation. It's so true. I, I, I see it all the time with uh, climbers that I know where they, they'll approach a boulder and it doesn't have to be a highball, but they'll immediately have this illusion in their head that like, Oh, it's way too hard for me. Like there's no way I could do that thing. And then it's really like, once you start trying something, that's when you really start to be able to see like, what's really, I don't know what the reality yeah. actually is and not what's in your head or what you've perceived to be there. Mm. Yeah. You just have to break it down. Like what is the easiest thing? Let's take care of that. Get rid of that. That's done. You know? And then you start breaking down like, it further further until you get like to the crux which is you know a move that maybe you haven't been able to do for like a month or something you know like that's like the point where you're like okay this is everything else is kind of secondary as far as like you know the line and all the rest of the movement um and i think those things you kind of rehearse and you kind of understand um and it kind of just happens um but like getting through that like the actual crux like what makes it difficult or, or what makes it like seem impossible like that's like yeah the magic it's so esoteric talking about fear at any rate like i i'm i'm thinking of all those times that i've been like scared shitless or taken the bad fall and it's like it's so hard to define but my question for you is have you ever I mean, I'm sure you have, but have you ever just been paralyzed by fear for an extended amount of time, not been able to break it down and walked away from a problem? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. Never? There, not, there's things that I'm still pondering. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a diplomatic there's answer. Still, there's things I'm still considering. Um, I've not walked away, but there's things I'm still considering. There's things I've seen that I'm like, okay, uh, you know, there's a way, um, uh, I guess I, I don't know. I've never really gotten into it that far where I'm like, okay, this is is a bad idea basically. Yeah. It has to be a bad idea if you're going to like hurt yourself and, you know, not, not make it work. Um, I don't know. No, I, I guess not. I mean, I've definitely walked away from things, uh, but not not for not for those reasons. Not know. for reasons of like grieving yeah. or impending mortality. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think because that's a good question. <laughs> There's got to be uh, something out there, dude. There's got to be some time you've just been like, I just I can't do this. It's just too much. But maybe not. Maybe no. I think that all the time. I think that all the time. Uh, I choose that all the time. You know, like, you know, someone's like, "Oh, let's go do this like highball warm up," you know, and I'm like, "No, I'm not feeling that today. Sorry." (laughs) (laughs) um, But bigger projects, you know, I have stuff that that I think is scary, and I, I understand that there's ways to like you know, get around it. 
Yeah. Jason, I feel like not that long ago, I saw a clip of you where you finished essentially topping out this, this project of yours that you've been working on a while and you slipped off the top out. Is that, is that correct? Or am I thinking of the wrong thing? Uh, yeah, I think so. And it was uh, like a totally unexpected some, fall. Something I posted on my Instagram. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a hold broke at the oh, top. Basically uh. I had topped out. Like I was standing on the slab and there's like one move where you have to like step through your foot. And it's like the only time that anything bad you don't want to happen, but it's the only time that anything bad could happen <laughs> because of, of the weight, you know? Yeah. Uh, and like at that point, the hold broke and I like came oh. crashing down. And that, that was probably one of the most recent times that I've fallen unexpectedly and was like, okay, shit, wow. Like, <laughs> the world is real. <laughs> 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 this was the worst yeah. fucking balls lesson. in the world, dude. Um, yeah. Shit, what was it? My bones are real. <laughs> um, oh, fuck, I, told, I wanted to ask one more question, but I totally <laughs> forgot what I was going to ask about fear. I'll, go. I'll add yeah. a filler question while you think. Yeah. Uh, I love, Jason, I love that if you go to a climbing area, I feel like more than likely it's, it's just very po- uh, likely that you'll find there's going to be a highball that's, uh, you know, was first put up by you. Like I was in Roy not too long ago, and there was the uh, <laughs> what is that V eight there? It's like space prostitutes, <laughs> giant prostitutes oh, in space, yeah. and like you've you just yeah. have a bunch of uh, I don't know. That's just cool that you've been all over the U S. and have been seeking out all these climbs. Yeah, the scary shit, yeah. dude. Thanks for putting up all the scary <laughs> stuff. We appreciate it. Yeah, that's the fun stuff. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. Uh, it is. No, that's, that's the thing. Like back when I was traveling and going to all these areas, like back in, you know, like the early two thousands, like people weren't doing, well, people were doing highballs. They weren't doing difficult highballs. Um, so you could go to Yosemite, you could go to Bishop, you could go to all these areas that were major areas in the U S and still find five star first ascents that were just taller than everything else. Um, so it was amazing. Like everywhere I went, I was like, okay, like people aren't doing this, you know, like let's do this, you know, like, and that was kind of like what I was into. So it was like really cool that a lot of those lines hadn't been done at the time. Evolution like really stands out. You did that in like 2001 or something. Yeah, I think I think 2001. Yeah. Was that shocking to see that line just like staring at, staring in the face at you? Um kind of because I w- I came there with the mentality that I wasn't even going to try this if I wasn't going to top it out, you know? Like I was climbing with my friends and they were all like, "Oh yeah, let's go do this, the Sharma face or whatever they were calling it at the time." And uh, I was like, what are you, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and then I got a rope and I wrapped down it and I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, but yeah, that was like, I'm not, what am I, like, what do I have to show for climbing to the lip and dropping down? Like, I'm, like it's a waste of time. Um, and 
yeah, it was like, okay, like, basically, I'm not leaving Bishop until I, like, pop <laughs> this thing out. How long did it take you? Um, I don't know. I feel like we were there for, like, a month or so, and it was, like, I remember it was freezing, and I was with Mike Aldridge at the time. It was it was wild. We, we like, got assaulted in Bishop because we were freaks. And because you were what? Freaks. Oh. Like, you and Aldridge? Yeah. I had a messed up haircut, and I, like, wore this, like, furry white jacket, and he had, like, a blue mohawk, and, like... We had we got like slack at the the post office for oh. like going and asking if we had any deliveries and I like got like honked at in downtown Bishop for like walking down the street and this like redneck like slammed on his brakes and like stopped in the middle of the street and turned around and gave me the finger for what Jesus. felt like a minute because he didn't like how I looked. And I was like truly like afraid for my life. I was like, it's like scary, someone that are, like trying to hurt me because I like, don't look like a Bishop redneck. I don't know. Uh, Bishop. I, I remember it was like too long after that, like 2009 or something. It was laundry day and I was wearing like these patchwork quilt, like fucking bell bottoms <laughs> that I had in the bottom of my clothing bin and like a candy right. cane, candy cane sweatshirt and like, balding old long old man hair and i was just walking across the street to go to the black sheep yeah the kava cafe was gone at that point i was walking across the street and okay. these guys pulled around me like get a fucking job you <laughs> fucking hippie yeah and i was like like those locals are not psyched on that at all no like, i was like i have a job dude <laughs> fuck you yeah. No, it's scary. Oh my god, it can be. Yeah, I, I, it's it's can it's definitely uh, changed a lot, but um, I'm sure. Yeah, it's still yeah. ranch land. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember the question I was going to ask you, and it's a little bit cheesy, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What what was probably um, the most challenging as far as like managing your fear highball that you've ever done? What stands out to you where you're like, wow? that was a struggle. Like I was afraid for a long time. <laughs> um, kind of a fly, but not really. I was thinking that the fly. was more, that was more of a difficulty thing. Like it was so difficult that like the chance of falling was like that much greater, you know, like you could fall at any moment. It wasn't like you were in control, you know, you were like at your limit. Um, for sure, but not necessarily like the landing wasn't that horrible, you know, like maybe if you missed the pads, sure, like that that would be messed up. Um, but probably this thing I did in Waco that's on West Mountain called Count to Six and Die. And it's like the route, at, like you look at it and it takes your breath away because Oof. it's horrendous, like sloping funnel of a rock landing and there's only like really one spot where you can fall and be okay and maybe if you miss that you're not okay you know it's like uh -huh. um yeah i think i think that one and there's a video on my my uh, youtube or my vimeo of it um but yeah it's it's on the bathtub wall. Like there's a really amazing V nine called the bathtub there. 
Um, but yeah, that one just the landing is so bad and like it's such an amazing line. And this was another one that you know, like the sculpted rock and you know the crazy holds and the streaks and like for sure the the danger was way up, but you know the beauty of it and everything like totally outweighed it and it was just like you know i wasn't going to stop until i did it and um luckily you know like nothing ever happened and i never took any bad falls or anything like that but like looking back it's probably one of the ones that i wouldn't want to repeat i guess <laughs> i don't want to repeat any of them by the way but like yeah. magician only does a trick once but uh <laughs> Yeah, like that one for sure. I remember that yeah. video for sure. Um, so I have another question that I think might be about a little bit about danger, but I'm not sure. In your in the last Rock and Ice, um, you finished your What I've Learned article with the advice, don't do anything for photographers ever, exclamation <laughs> point. Nice. I, no, I haven't seen the finished, uh, I haven't seen the finished article. Oh, it's great. I remember telling her that. <laughs> what uh, what was that? Um, what does that have to do with? What, what were you thinking when you said that? Because that's all it says. Um, um, there's reasons to do something, and that is not a reason to do something. And money, same I was saying before, money is not a reason to do something. Um, the reason to do it is because it's beautiful, and you think it's amazing, and you want to understand it, and you want to conquer it, and like, now yeah. Um, no, I had, I had, I definitely have hurt myself over the years, uh, redoing stuff. Uh, oh yeah. Up in Mount Evans, here's the story. Andy Mann, photographer, on on the scene. Uh, we were shooting this problem I did called the Last Dance up at Area B. Yeah. So like huge hike to get up there, and it's like this really big boulder I found that has like these really awesome pinches on it um tall and i was like okay i did it like he got the footage and he's like oh he's like can you can you redo this one shot like the sun came out like when you were like sticking that hold and i, I didn't get like the close-up of the hold and then, so i was <laughs> like okay whatever it's my job i'll do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so i get up there and because you know i'm not trying to send it i just sent it you know like the passion wasn't there. Like I, just, like I gave, I gave like a half-hearted attempt at the same move that I just accomplished and missed the move, fell down and like re-injured my knee and oh. had to hike out. And I just felt after that, like anytime anyone asked me something and I felt pressure from anyone outside of my own reasons for doing something like, you know, it's don't do it. Like, yeah. why are you doing it for yourself? Like that, that's why I'm doing it. Like, yeah. If, if you want to be there and you want to film, that's great. But like, you know, that's it. Like I'm not here to like, okay, Hey, can you do that again and laugh more? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not an actor at all. Like I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. That's funny as shit. Um, in that same rock and ice piece, you said, uh, quote, the highball persona kind of caught up with me. Um, I'm older and want to save my bones. It's a longevity thing, unquote. So 
I don't know if you heard our Nina Williams interview, but she pretty much said the exact same thing. What does that mean for you going forward with your climbing career? Um, it just means to be more calculated. I think, you know, I, I was, and I see a lot of younger kids, you know, just going for it. And that's totally fine. Like I've like fallen off the top of like, I don't even know how many boulder problems and missed the pads like yeah. many times. Like, <laughs> I, I basically half the problems I've done, I've fallen in the worst possible location you can fall and missed all the pads and was completely fine. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like <laughs> nowadays I'm like, okay, you don't need to do that. Like you can still, <laughs> you, you can still succeed and not do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so that just means, you know, like making sure you understand what's going on, like, you know, rehearsing the moves a bit more, like, I don't know. Being more I diligent. Mean, yeah. I mean, I'm all about ethics and like whenever I talk to people, I really understand how much I am about ethics because half the people I talk to are nowhere near into ethics as much as I am. Um, but yeah, it's like at a certain point, you know, there's a speed to it too. Like, you know, you could try something from the, the bottom and keep falling, keep falling, keep falling. And then you drop a rope down on it once and you understand it and you do it. You know, it's like, what's the point of wasting all this time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, how's your body feeling? We're about the same age. I could uh, run down the laundry list of why my body hurts like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Uh, no, it's good. Uh, I mean, my, my major issue throughout my whole like career was my knee. Um, I had two ACL surgeries Ooh. on the same knee. Um, and I haven't had any issues with that for, I don't know, 10 plus years. Nice. Um, don't have any major finger issues right now, which is great. Um, yeah, basically... I don't know. I, I rest more than I train. That's how I stay healthy. Nice. <laughs> um, you've never had any back issues or anything from all those all those falls? Um, not really. I've had back issues in the past, but not from climbing. From uh, I don't know. Do you remember the Zanskar Odyssey movie? Yeah. I, yeah. I edited, basically, I edited that up in Eldo in this house up in Eldo. And I was sitting on like a bar stool the entire time <laughs> for like months. Oh no. Months on ed- editing this film. And like that totally wrecked my back at the time. But, um, in general, my back's okay. Um, I don't know. I try to like stretch a lot and, or at least think about stretching a lot. Yeah. Well, that's and... good that you, you visualize stretching. <laughs> Just feel the stretch in the mind. <laughs> Stretch. I think about it a lot. <laughs> um, where is Zans? Is the Zanskar Odyssey like available for people to still view anywhere? Um, I well, it's on YouTube for sure, but it's like not the full version. And I know it was for sale through that like HD climbing videos, which was a part of Dead Point at some point. So I don't know how that whole thing, if that even exists anymore. I don't think um, so. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I got a bunch of copies in my closet if you want one. Dude, I do want one. I love that movie. Yeah. 
Dude, I'll send you one. I'll send you one for sure. Oh, I got like sweet. 20 or 30 copies in my closet. That that actually leads me to another question I had for you that is, again, a little bit cheesy, but you've, you've climbed in some really popular places, but also like in the Zanskar Odyssey, some really remote places. Um, what is one area that you cannot step into the grave without having climbed at? The one, like your dream area, like you were one of the first to That I would recommend to someone? No, that you still haven't been to, but you're like... Oh, that I have to go to. Oh, yes. that I have to go to. Okay. Uh, South Africa, for sure. I haven't been to oh, South Africa. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Because yeah. it was so hot for so long, and I was like, nope, <laughs> no, too, too cool, I can't go. Oh, yeah. You know, I haven't been to, and my girlfriend is dying to go and all of my, and i'm just like dude I, I, come on all of our friends are already there let's not go yeah it's so yeah. stupid <laughs> yeah no it's it's they're there for a reason it's amazing it looks fucking it, killer do you have any interest in repeating other uh climbers highballs that they put up like i know in south africa there's a bunch of ridiculously impressive looking lines that have already been put up hmm uh, to, to some extent, I mean, I definitely had more of an interest, you know, when I was coming up, like when I was going around and I went to Yosemite and did After Midnight and stuff like that. I was like, kind of like looking for this stuff because, you know, it was established kind of already. Um, but I don't know, I kind of like have fallen in love with the whole first ascent and I really like that there's no you know, rating attached to things. Yeah. I like just going and deciphering the rock. I, I really like that. I, I hate going to something being like, okay, V13. Okay. But let's... <laughs> yeah. I hate, I hate that. Um, and I hate that, that there's a number attached to something. And I, I hate how that feels. And um, I just really like, you know, the purity of just, I need a rock cleaning it. And like, if it's hard, it's hard. If it's not, it's not, but like, it's an awesome experience. Do you ever think about, um, like I had the opportunity to develop for two straight years in South Korea, kind of like during the bouldering explosion there. And it was like my first step into that. We put up hundreds and hundreds of problems. Do you ever, cause I think about this. Do you ever think about or realize that other people, especially for you, other people look at what you do with these first ascents and just can't even fathom that you get all these first ascents. Um, I don't know what my question is. Uh, you're in a really unique position is what I'm trying to say. Like that they're available or is it that, that I see them? No, that you um, take the time to search and hunt. And that's, yeah. a, that's a really unique position for anybody to be in in our sport you know there aren't a lot of developers out there for sure no and it's it's a lot of work like people are like oh how, how are you finding all these you know new first ascents in waco and it's like these clients aren't sitting there waiting for me to climb them <laughs> physically climb them like i go out there i find them i envision the line which 90 percent of the people don't even see the line until it's you know pointed out to them um, there's like tons of cleaning that no one wants to do, you know, like they see the line like, Oh yeah, that would be awesome. But yeah, we'd have to like clean it for like two hours. Or something. 
I'm like, I go out there and clean it. And then after it's clean, it's clean forever. You know, like, yeah, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like, and that's what I like because I like seeing these lines and I, li- I like being, sometimes I'll be with like a group of other climbers and they'll, we'll like walk past something and I'll like see something and like no one else sees it. And I see it and I understand it's there. And I'm just like, okay, like, like it's not my responsibility to like point this out to people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I'll come back at a later time and like figure it out. But like, I'm not gonna be like, Hey guys, what about this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, there's like so much that is all about vision and understanding what's possible and understanding what maybe is possible. Maybe not like yeah. some things, you know, like, do not at all look possible, but then once you get on them and figure them out, like they are. Yeah, totally. And what what advice, like what advice would you give somebody living in the front range or somebody who's going to Waco or somebody who's cruising around um, like the southeast in the forests? What, what advice would you give to the aspiring first ascensionist from a guy who's been there for so many years? I don't know. I guess keep keep like looking half the point where everyone else has looked because a lot of times like I'll go to spots and I'll be like, I wonder if something's up there, you know, but I don't go up there. But when I do, there's actually something up there, you know? And I think that's what a lot of people do. They're like, Oh, you know, there's nothing up there. Like, you know, we know where the climbs are. Like there's nothing there. Like, you know, like you have to have that mentality of like, okay, what if, or what basically you have to like, check everything out like no no stone unturned um and you'll you'll be amazed at what you'll find you know like something's hidden or you know it doesn't look like it from a certain angle and then when you get there and or even like a lot of times I I look at you know Waco driving out or driving in and there's certain points in the day where the sun hits the rock in a certain way that you can see an overhang or you can't see it and uh yeah it's just I think being observant and yeah, it's just being open to, to seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, um, we are on a timeline cause I pay for my time on this <laughs> goddamn podcast and they're going to ding me, but I, I got one more question. Okay. dude. I had two more questions. Uh, are you a resolution guy? You make resolutions? Uh, like a new year's resolution. Yeah. Yeah, I've been making them all my life. Ah, me too. Okay, so what do you... What, I'm never what, holding up to them. Yeah, dude, that's the joy of them. Um, what is on, what's hot on the stove for you for 2019? Well, it's the same one that I've been working on since 85. Stop picking my nose. Oh, <laughs> why, why would you... So I just you're gonna pick be, my nose. You're going to be one of those old guys know, with a handkerchief? My mom told me it was bad. My mom was like, that's bad, don't do that. How long, how, how long have you gone without picking your nose? Never. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live in the desert now, so it's like kind of a problem. Oh, dude, the stalactites grow in there. You got to get yeah, rid you of gotta, them. Dude, it, feels, it feels right, you know? Um, but, but real, I mean, I'm always, I mean, aren't we all always trying to like work harder, train harder, be more fit, like all that stuff. But I don't know. As long as you're happy and doing what you want, like I, I'm not really one to train. I'm not like a, you know, like I'm not like the jock climber, you yeah. know. Like this is not my mentality at all. 
Uh, <laughs> but I, I use, you know, projects and stuff like that as more of a vehicle to get fit. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not into, you know, doing some mindless activity just to like get stronger. Yeah. I, I want to like do stuff that is like proactive and will get me stronger. So no, I, I I'm just gonna stick to having fun and enjoying myself, and hopefully that'll get me stronger. And that's, no, no picking your nose. Yeah. Also, don't fucking do it, man. Okay, last question: Why are you afraid of toads? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, funny. Thing, my my father's nickname is Toad. Uh oh. Which is completely unrelated. Like, <laughs> I'm not afraid of my father. But my father's nickname is Toad. Like, everyone calls my father Toad. Uh, his name is Robert, Roberto. The kid Ooh. called him Toad. It turned into Toad, whatever. Roberto. Um, but, yeah. So he, he's Toad. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I always just, the, the skin, the bumps, the warts, I can't do it. And that's real. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I hate it. Like, I'm so uh, surprised by I, that. We'll touch it. And at a certain point in Waco tanks, there's like a, a pond area that yeah. that when you walk through, there's just like hundreds of toads just like creeping. <laughs> you know? It's like it's like horrible. It's like a nightmare. But Jason, your the crypto child motto is finding beauty in the disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, the toad but... is the ultimate. The <laughs> ultimate to you. You're just, I, I like. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to turn into a toad. You know, like. <laughs> There, there was this hardware store that I used to go to growing up, and there was this guy that had all these like warts all over his oh, face. Oh no! Like, like a toad, you know? Like, oh my and god! I was just like, it, yeah, it was too much. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that definitely wow, answers that good. question. Yeah. I didn't know if I was going to get a serious answer, but you're fucking terrified of toads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, um. Yeah, we got to wrap it up, but I will sincerely say I hope your best days of climbing are in front of you, man. It uh, For sure, thanks. Dude, yeah, no worries. You you are truly an inspiration. But, yeah, man. Um, um, so I'm going to send you my address for that Zanskar Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, do. Do. I will, I will send it. All right, man. I'll send it. Well, thanks awesome. for the time, buddy. Thanks Talk. for making this yeah. happen. Yeah, definitely. It's a pleasure to meet you, Jason. Yeah, you too. Yeah, see, we told you. That was, that, I mean, Jason Kale is a uh, inspirational, fantastic man. My fun, my fun favorite thing about that interview was that the entire time we were interviewing Jason, we could see him, <laughs> and he couldn't see us, and he hilariously never like mentioned he, that he didn't even care. He didn't care at all. He's just like, this is how these but, interviews go, right? You see me, I don't the see you. Other times we've done interviews over Skype, people were always like, oh, I don't want you to see me. And if I they, can't see you. Yeah, they turned themselves off. But Jason just sat there. And no, sat there drinking, it. And, like sipping his white wine and fucking awesome, man. I love that guy. Yeah. Like icon. Anyways. Icon of climbing. Okay, that was a really long yeah. one. So we're going we're gonna to bust this out real quick. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening again. We again, appreciate please. it. Please spread the word if you can. We've got an amazing episode coming up. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you who it is, but it's two people, and I'm really excited. And we are also like 
uh, the feedback we got for the sauce night was pretty good. So that was we're surprising. Yeah, dude. it was surprisingly good. We were a little scared putting that out there, but I think we're we're excited to try to do another one. We're still looking for topics. If you have any ideas, yeah. If you guys want us to bullshit about anything in particular, send us an email at thunderclingpodcast at gmail Also, remember, nobody's done this yet. Well, no, we've had two. I had oh. to turn one down, and one's in yeah. the works. But uh, if anybody wants to write for Thundercling, uh, narrative nonfiction, creative writing, whatever you want to do, if you have a photo essay, if you have artwork you'd like to share, as long as it's original and it. Uh, touching, we'll Dave take wants it. it. I want it hard. <laughs> I want it. Whoa, Dave. Shoot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, what other? Do we have another <clears throat> fucking dirty clothes to stick in the laundry i don't think so that's about it that's about it guys thanks for listening yeah rate us on <laughs> itunes if you get the chance if you don't you know no big whoop and we will be back in two short weeks and we'd love if you guys have anything to say we'd love to hear your thoughts about the food ranch about the partnership between usa climbing and espn and about the name sharma johnson sharma johnson you guys give us a good response we'll read it and i will if you if enough people ask i will legally change my name to dave sharma johnson McAllister esquire jr i and that's a fucking guys, promise please he promised yep. please. legal now goodbye Tip your waiters and wages as they work hard out there. Jason Gale.